Welcome to the Underground Church Podcast. I'm Abraham, and I'm here with my brother James. What's going on, guys? And today we're going to talk about some interesting stuff. So Archbishop Vigano and this very important headline right here. Quote, heresy, sodomy, and corruption are trademark of deep church. Oh, so we're not only talking about deep state anymore, guys. Now we're talking about deep church. Yeah, and we've been saying, church, you got to wake up because there are movements that we've seen in the past decade, this vast retreat. And one of the things that I just, I can't think that it just happened naturally. You know, it just, it happened because, oh, we just forgot to address the elephant in the room. Everybody just, oh, it just happened accidentally. No, what this guy is straight up, what this archbishop is saying is that it is emblematic of a deep church. So Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano has pointed out three elements that have become what he calls trademark in the deep church, heresy, sodomy, and corruption. And the Vatican whistleblower speaks out about the deeper significance of the case of former Cardinal McCarrick, in relation to the doctrinal crisis the church is facing. He says, quote, There is a very strict relationship between the doctrinal crisis of the church and the immorality of the clergy that scandalously reaches up to the highest levels of the hierarchy. But it is also apparent that this crisis is being used by the ultra-progressive wing not only to impose a false morality together with the false doctrine, a false morality together with a false doctrine, Breeding yeah. all this virtue signaling in the church, man. And uh, that's how you know, you know, if you're standing upon any kind of a faith plus works salvation doctrine, that's going to have a lot of self-righteousness that comes with that, which basically is neglecting God's grace. It does not understand God's grace. And, you know, we should mention this as well, is that the Catholic Church has a lot of nice ties and influence with today's I guess you could say Protestant denominations, non-Catholic denominations, more so than people realize, all right? So especially like Lordship Salvation, Lordship Salvation has a lot more in common with Catholicism than people think, okay? Catholicism has the additional sacraments and rituals that they do, but they are openly professing works salvationists. The difference is Lordship Salvation is essentially a work salvation doctrine. Everybody who has ever come out of that, everybody who has ever come out of Lordship Salvation knows this, right? And, you know, it's only the people who are still kind of like under bondage within Lordship Salvation that they themselves are still looking up to these idols, these famous teachers, right? These like New York Times bestseller list preachers, quote unquote, right? They're thinking because those guys are famous, therefore they must be right. And it's like, no, there's a reason why a lot of these guys are able to have that level of visibility and get along with so many denominations, as well as the fact that if you look at the largest, like some of these mega churches, they're even friendly and they never speak out. They never say anything bad about the Catholic system, their doctrine, right? The false morality together with false doctrine. Now, I know Archbishop uh, Vigano here. I have no clue what his actual doctrine is, you know, if he's still holding on to Catholic doctrine and a work salvation doctrine. But um, you could tell one thing is that there's this false sense of morality together with false doctrine. So whether he knows 
whether he's able to discern to that specific of a level, it's kind of like, well, that's the same problem that we're having on the non-Catholic side of Christendom in a lot of these larger churches that are following these famous guys. And it's this false sense of morality, this virtue signaling that goes along with their false doctrine that is really a self-righteous doctrine, but they themselves can't see that. It's so true, man. You know, they don't fully understand grace yet because in their minds, they think it's not fair that eternal life is this free gift and anybody could just receive it freely when the Bible says that, right? They're not giving precedence to the Bible. They're giving precedence to their own philosophies and theories they don't allow themselves to see something plainly from the scriptures because they say, no, nope, I don't believe that God should do it like that. So they become gods in their own minds. And they're basically saying, no, it's not fair that you could just give out eternal life for free like that. I believe that you have to have works or you were never really saved. That's a backwards way of rationalizing to themselves that actually their performance, their righteousness does matter in making the cut to get into heaven. Right? It's a self-righteous doctrine. It's a false morality together with false doctrine on the non-Catholic side as well. Right, But uh, that's interesting because we don't want to just have everybody thinking. We don't just want people to think that it's the Catholic Church is the only problem. No, it's this institutionalism and these politics and men idolizing other men, their status, their fame, rather than believing what the Word of God says. They're not exalting the Word of God they're exalting the status of other men and how they look at these men. Oh, this guy must be right because he's got so many followers over here. Wrong. That's not correct. And so, yeah, man, it's also on the non-Catholic side as well because they're very friendly with each other, guys. There's been a lot of famous non-Catholic or Protestant pastors that have publicly come forward and said, hey, you know, we're not at odds with the Catholic church system anymore, guys. We're all friends now. There's where you see a problem. But yeah, man. You know, and I want to say that, what James said right there, we just call people out, just like, hey, this is the truth. That is the opposite of virtue signaling. And I bet you guys, anybody that's listening right now, I'm betting you that you guys are seeing a lot of virtue signaling right now on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, on any social media or any YouTube video that you're watching. I'm betting you're seeing a lot of these people signal their virtue for various things that they don't even understand. You know, and yeah, I, I that's think why that's when you kind read of their the, stuff, it doesn't make sense, right? Yeah, I think that's the key to virtue signaling. You know, if we just look at the definition, virtue signaling, it means someone is just signaling that they're being virtuous. You know, because I'm saying this, I'm virtuous, I'm trying to make myself virtuous in the eyes of this group. But that's not what's while going, stepping on anybody else's toes, right? That's the key. Exactly. And here's the thing not stepping on anybody's toe. And two, I think one of the things that all virtue signalers have and that all virtue signalers, I think, I think what they're not doing is they don't understand what they're actually virtue signaling about. That's how you know if they're virtue signaling or not. You ask them, what are you, what are you talking about? You know, if they say, hey, BLM, and you ask them, what are you talking, you know, why do you support the BLM? Can you give me, you know, some logical reasons? Can you give me some factual, truthful reasons that transcend just opinion, only your opinion and only just the public sentiment? And can you explain to me why you believe in what you're believing? I think that if you do that, you'll find that they really don't, they don't understand what they're, what they're actually doing. 
I think this wording is very exact. To impose a false morality together with the false doctrine. You impose falseness. When someone is virtue signaling, they're imposing upon themselves the opinion of the group. But when you speak the truth, you, you never, you know, when you say impose truth, the truth can't be imposed on someone. The truth just is. The truth exists. You know, so if you look at the English wording, you shine the truth on people, right? The truth exposes people because you're shining a light. You're shining the light of truth onto someone. So this concept of speaking the truth, I think it's so foreign to people. But if you really look at the wording of how people even speak of truth, truth isn't something that you just force on someone. It isn't. Truth is just something that exists. In fact, if someone isn't listening to the truth, it's because they're shutting their ears from the truth. However, on the other end, when you have these movements, when you have these false moralities and these false doctrines, you find, this is very interesting because you find that these false morality being this virtue signaling and these various things that people feel that they should do to appease the group, to appease the public opinion so that you know, they don't get fired or you know, people's feelings aren't hurt or so that people won't say bad things about you because, oh, you know, I said this one thing and now suddenly I'm a, I'm a bigot. You know, see, suddenly you being a bigot, that's not the light of truth being shown down. That's something being imposed upon oneself. It's like, okay, I don't want to be a bigot. So now I'm just going to, instead of shining the light of truth, I'm just going to impose the false morality on myself. Show everybody that, oh, I have this false morality. I have this false doctrine. Don't hate me. So, boom, virtue signaling. Right, right? Th that's where you get the social media stuff because now the falseness, the the lies have been imposed upon you, and you know it's not the truth, but because you have to appease the masses and not God, not truth, not the logos, boom, you have to virtue signal. Truth becomes malleable at the expense of virtue signaling. Right. That's that's essentially what it is. So when you read these guys, when you're somebody who's practiced that just, uh, you know, you stick with the truth, man. You know, when people are practiced at that, there's that saying, right, Abraham, that how do experienced bank tellers spot a fake dollar bill? It's because they've studied and they know the real ones so well. Right. Yeah. So, for example, when you study the Bible and you know it very, very well, intricacy, all the details from the inside out then you could spot false doctrine the moment that you see it. You're like, nope, that is not line up with scriptures. I don't care what that person's philosophies and theories are. That ignores certain scriptures in favor of others, or it rests and twists certain scriptures to force their theology onto the scriptures. You could spot it like in an instant when you know the scriptures like the back of your hand, right? So when you virtual signal, right? Because virtue signaling is essentially trying to appeal to, it's like trying to appeal to a crowd by not, being too definitive and too specific with your opinion, right? Because yes. then it's like, oh man, I'm getting too specific here. Some people won't get it. Or, you know, other people, it might just completely disagree with their current position between them and God or them and the scriptures, right? Can't get that specific, guys. So then what it turns into is this weird philosophical, theoretical generalizing of like concepts that have nothing to do with what the scripture plainly says. And then they bring in these things to basically now try and muddy the waters. These people do not realize 
that they are essentially muddying the sharp contrast between truth, which is always clear. And it's like, oh, that's what the scripture says. That makes complete and total sense. Right? You get it. It clicks with you and you're like, yeah. But then what happens? You come across these philosopher guys, right? They start to muddy the waters. Well, it doesn't really mean exactly that. And twist it up into a noodle. And doesn't that sound great? And does that not appeal to everybody's feelings and emotions? Doesn't that feel right, guys? You see, that's the problem, ladies and gentlemen. And that's why we're living in times of apostasy, because people are following these famous guys. Let me go ahead and call this out, right? Like John Piper. Dude, if you honestly listen to John Piper, okay, that guy constantly contradicts himself. It makes no sense. Let's talk about this little bit, Abraham, right? It makes no sense. <laughs> I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt, as well as uh, some of these other famous Lordship Salvation guys, but you listen to them and you're like, that makes no, not only does it not match the scriptures, but it quite simply just doesn't make sense. Right? Am I wrong hey, about maybe it? We should have a, maybe we should have a, a segment, like a regular segment where we just go on his Desiring God blog, and maybe we could uh, actually go through and show people what we're talking about. That'd oh, you mean we could huh? like we could like do a critique of some of the things that he says? Yeah, because I've read some of those blog posts, and you're absolutely right. There's so much virtue signaling going on there that oh man, I'm just it's like absence of reason. Like it doesn't it does not align with reality or the Bible. Mm. It's just like what like constantly contradicting yourself, man. <laughs> and this guy, the reason why we talk like this, you know, is because these guys are leading so many astray, and everybody just looks up to them and idolizes them. It's a fear. What it is, it's you're afraid to stand with the truth, regardless of what consequences happen to you. Because that's where real saints, whoever led anybody, you know, if you look at examples in the Bible, that's essentially the mindset they had to have. It's like, you know what? This is the truth. I discovered it. I'm standing upon it because I'm with God. Okay. And if God reveals a truth to me, then I'm standing upon it. I don't care if everybody disagrees with me, right? God's word takes precedence over all the popular opinions of our day, all this cultural, the lost world, all the cultural norms. I don't care about any of that stuff if it contradicts God's words, right? But see, most people don't have that mentality at all. Most people have a mentality that, okay, what's the politics here? Don't want to step on people's toes too much, right? So what are they doing? Now the truth, God's word becomes malleable and they have to stand over the word of God and the word of God becomes in subjection to them and their culture. Why? Because they're not going to go all in with the word of God and they're not going to go all in with truth and align themselves with truth. No, no, no. They have to compromise and do this halfway in the middle thing that they think is, isn't this wise, guys? Don't I appear wise for doing this? Right? I'm not stepping on too many people's toes, but I'm also not taking the Bible literally. <laughs> it's just like, it's this crazy delusion that these guys come under, man. You know, and we got to call it out here. It's like, dude, be a, if especially if you are a pastor or a teacher of the Bible, right? But especially like if you're a pastor, it's like be a man and just stand by what God reveals to you as the truth from his word and let the chips fall where they may. Stop worrying about that's if right. that's going to piss people off or if that doesn't align with the famous John MacArthur or the famous John Piper's doctrines. It's, these people have literally idolized these men. And it's going to be a sad day come judgment day when many of them are cast into the lake of fire. Because what does the Bible say? The Bible says, Jesus himself said, many, many, not some, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not cast out devils in your name? And have we not done many wonderful 
works. Have we not done many mighty works in your name, God? And he will turn to them and he will say, Away from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. This is a major problem in a lot of congregations nowadays is leaders, right? Many of them have not even gotten to this first step where it's like, you got to be humbled. Your self-righteousness has to go. The Bible says those are as filthy rags and you're going about to establish your own righteousness rather than humbling yourself and submitting yourself to the righteousness of God. And then now what God does is you're broken at ground zero and God slowly has to build you back up, Mm. right? So if you're going to be serving Christ, that's how it works. But most people know what they're doing is they're in these congregations and everybody is protecting each other from even getting to that first step. Nobody's allowed to be broken down. Nobody's allowed to be rebuked about anything. Nobody's allowed to even be corrected in many of these groups, right? And so what happens is their ego, their image, their reputation becomes this grand idol it becomes this thing that they have to maintain and they have to save face in front of other people, right? That's not Christianity, guys. That's not how we walk out Christianity in the spirit, right? It's the opposite. It's a lot of humbling. It's a lot of realizing, wow, I really was this much of a sinner, but I didn't even see it before, right? A lot of people, when they first come to Christ, this is further testimony against lordship salvation. <laughs> the guys that say, you got to be willing to give it all up, give everything up, uh, these work salvationists. So that's another reason why that doesn't make sense is because oftentimes when people first come to Christ, they're not even aware of how bad their sin is yet, yet they're already saved, many of them, okay? They are aware that they are a sinner, absolutely, because you cannot be saved unless you're aware that your sin has offended a holy God and that you recognize, man, I can't save myself. and I can't do anything about this. I'm condemned before God. I'm a sinner. I'm a wicked sinner. Then what you do is you accept the free gift of salvation because Christ did that amazing thing for you on your behalf on the cross, right? But oftentimes, we don't even realize how bad our specific sins were until after we get saved. As God starts to show us, if we respond, notice the key word is if, right? Because God will try to reach a lot of people, but a lot of people are stubborn and thick-headed and they never grow. So this idea that if you're really saved, you're always going to have works. No, God doesn't take away your free will. I've seen many Christians in my life where God is constantly trying to reach them, but they're still at square one or square two. And so, yeah, what happens is if you finally kind of get over some of the hurdles, then you look back and you start to realize, wow, like I was a pretty bad sinner, but I didn't even realize it until God had to kind of show me through all this growth, right? We compare biblical truth to who we are and our, honestly, our fleshly nature. And that's what we're talking about, because I could imagine some people that are going to more charismatic churches, listening to these worship songs, mistakenly going, oh, I'm broken all the time. You know, I listen to these worship songs, and I cry, and, you know, I lift my hands, and I feel broken. I feel overwhelmed. And I'm not, I'm not trying to mock the feelings. I, I really... Yeah. I, I, it's okay if that stuff follows sound doctrine, because yes. now you actually are like feeling the emotion from a place that God just transformed and renewed your mind. And from that, now you feel it and you're like, man, that feels right. That's God just convicted me about something. But exactly. a lot of times what Abraham is talking about, I completely agree that people just go straight for that feeling, you know, and they're singing some words and it's supposed to, you know, it invokes this feeling in them of like whatever they're singing about. Right. And now they don't have the sound doctrine. And what happens is they're being led by their emotions. We know this because we were told this by 
people that we know from some of these mega churches and they were very defensive about, they were like, no, emotions are important. And <laughs> it's like, yes, emotions are important, right? But they're putting them as a precedent before the truth. They really are, whether they want to admit it or not. And here's how you know that emotions are not the precedents. They do not precede the truth. It's because there are times before God reveals some truth to you from his word, right? There are times where you will feel something. And what happens is after God reveals that truth to you from his word, then you'll feel completely different about the thing that you previously felt about, right? So your feelings will change. Your feelings will change depending on what you believe about the truth. Then your feelings will actually change, guys. The Bible says that the heart is deceitful above all things. There's one thing that I also wanted to say about virtue signaling. One of the things that I think, one of the ways that you know that someone's virtue signaling is, does what they say make sense? If you read what they say, if you're listening to what they say, and you're trying to understand it logically, does it make sense? Vigano, he says, they want to focus attention on the abusive minors moving away from the clear and dutiful condemnation of the homosexual behaviors that are often the cause of these abuses. For Bergoglio and his entourage, sodomy is not a sin that cries out for vengeance in the presence of God, as the Catechism, or in our case, as the Bible teaches. Bergoglio's words on this topic, and even more, the actions and words of those who surround him, unfortunately confirm that an operation of legitimization of homosexuality is currently underway, and that prelates and theologians are carrying this discussion forward who have manifested without equivocation that they are unfaithful to Catholic teaching. Basically, it's a concentrated, focused move towards liberalism, towards normalizing, legitimizing homosexuality. Hmm. That's a shame, man. It's a yeah. shame. See what happens when you don't, again, referencing the, the bank tellers, it's, that's the issue is that these guys did not train themselves in scripture, right? They diluted it with all these catechisms and all these politics that came over the centuries. And the way that we know it's really political is because you have this entire group within the Catholic church, uh, they're called the remnants, right? And they completely disagree with Vatican II. And now those guys are very outspoken against the current Pope and all this globalism and this move for the Catholic church system to align itself with the left, with the globalist left, right? And believe it or not, guys, once again, people think that there's this great difference, this great divide between the Catholic church system and non-Catholics or Protestants, not the case, okay? The higher you go into these bigger churches, especially mega churches, these guys are under their own strongholds where they just simply cannot speak the truth because they've been brainwashed to think that that's not being tactful, that's not being kind, that's not being loving. You have to find some roundabout way to say everything. It's like, no, man. Like, if God shows it to you with conviction from the scriptures, just state it, man. Okay. It's if people get offended or not, let God handle that because God simply instructed us to teach and preach his word. And we're not supposed to take it, you know, treat it like Play-Doh and try to craft it in a way that is easily digestible by the masses. No, that's not what God told us to do. We're supposed to preach it exactly as it stands. So, yeah, yeah check man. this out. The deep church. Apparently, they're they're taking secret payments of billions of dollars from the Chinese communists into the Vatican, and wow. when China 
has ordered Christian villagers to renounce their faith and worship the nation's Communist Party leaders instead, you see that the silence of Vatican is literally deafening. They didn't say anything. And we're talking about the entire Catholic Church. And yet, I think people, they're so far away from the truth. And when you're in the truth, you're strong because you know what the truth is. You have this foundation of truth. You know X, Y, and Z exists. But when you're so far away from the truth that all you have are what other people think of you or what you think other people are thinking of you, there's no foundation of truth. It ends up being this fear-driven collective thing where, like we've said so many times before, Bro, where feelings and where feelings and the protection of the egos of the group determine the new truth, right? That's what it is. Boom. That's that's thought policing. That's the ultimate. And that's something that authors have been warning us, the thinkers have been warning us for decades. Don't be thought policed. That's what uh, 1984, that's what Orwell was talking about. And yet we have walked into an era in which so much of the population today are policing their own thoughts because they're so scared. They're so scared because they're so far away from the truth. And for whatever reason, they're too scared to admit if something's wrong that they believed them before. And also they're scared to say something that might be quote unquote controversial to a group or that might make them lose friends. You know, how sad is that? You know, it's a lot of people, they thought, hey, you know, there's no way something like 1984 would ever happen. Something that George Orwell warned us about. But there was no yeah. fight. Let's provide a real solution because I think that people are afraid Absolutely. to do the things that we talk about sometimes, Abraham. And the simple solution is this. Guys, if you are a Christian, if you are Christians, then you should have the mentality that you are supposed to be separate and different from the world. So we're not supposed to have this mentality that everybody should like us and we have to show them what this new interpretation of what the love of Jesus is. No, if we just show people how we're this nice person and we do good things to everybody, right? Not saying that you shouldn't do those things, but what I'm saying is the expectation from that mentality is that, no, everyone's going to like me and they're going to see how this awesome person that I am, and then they're going to come to Jesus. It's like, no, that's not even the gospel. <laughs> the gospel yeah. is that we're all sinners. You're a sinner. Everybody is condemned before God. There's no righteousness of your own that can get you into heaven. It doesn't matter how many times you try to turn over a new leaf. It doesn't matter how many religious rules you follow. It doesn't matter how much you try to clean up your act. You are still condemned before God. You can do absolutely nothing to save yourself. You can do nothing to merit eternal life. Nothing. Okay? Trying to live righteously and do better is not going to do anything in the eyes of God. Those are filthy rags. That's what the Bible says. And so the gospel is Christ is this amazing God who did it for you. Because none of us could. Christ is the Savior. He came down. He fulfilled the law because we couldn't. He kept the law perfectly. He had no sin in him. And then he died on the cross as a substitute. That, and then who gets, by the way, guys, who gets the glory for that gospel? It's God, right? You don't get anything. You don't get to boast. Look how everybody, I now need to show them how righteous I am so that they'll believe in Jesus too. No, I know a lot of lost people, you know what their mentality is, is they don't like that squeaky clean on the outside. They view that as somebody being fake in their own human power, trying to show off that they're this like, you know, squeaky clean person that has no power. Okay. If you really, that, that mentality, like, I don't know where that comes from. Cause it's not from the Bible. 
But um, that mentality is missing. You're missing the gospel because the gospel comes first after you show them the gospel. Then, yes, we can show them our good works and these things that make sense to them. But if you don't even give them the gospel first, you're just like, look at me, guys. I'm doing all these good works. Well, there's, why don't you just become a Mormon then? Or why don't you become a Jehovah's Witness then? <laughs> or any of these other religions. Hindus do good works. Buddhists do good works. So what are you going to, like, how are you going to win people over trying to look clean on the outside and do all these good things? This stupid mentality, this lordship salvation mentality is a self-righteous virtue signaling mentality that has no power. That has no power. The gospel is what has the power, guys. That mentality is getting the priorities flipped upside down. But I mean, I don't know. Is there anything else here that's interesting that, uh, that Vigano said? I mean, this is a crazy article. This is jam-packed with with some exposing here. Maybe we can end with this because what he's saying, you know, he's saying that these three elements, heresy, sodomy, and corruption are so recurrent that they are almost a trademark of the deep state and the deep church. And this is, this is very, especially for a lot of Christians out there. I think this is something that might be a tough pill to swallow because it's, I think the, instinct will be to go, hey, it can't be that bad. But like we said before, that's what people were saying about 1984. Hey, there's no way that there's going to be a time where in America, the land of the free, people are going to start policing their own thought. And guess what? It happens. So let's look at this here. There's actually a concerted movement inside of the church, a deep church that has been moving the church away from the truth, away from the Bible, and towards the world. And you can see here, and also so many links between also the Catholic Church and the Protestant Church, and a lot of handshaking going on between those two institutions, huge institutions. It's going on, you guys, this movement within the church to undermine the body of Christ. Yeah, man. What, and what does it say there, too? What surprises and scandalizes is rather the complicit silence of the Vatican faced with the sort of coup d'etat that makes the Bergoglian Church the spiritual arm of the world governments. So he just called the Bergoglian Church the spiritual arm of the world governments. Under the aegis of communist tyranny and with the complicity of globalist parties. Yeah. What have, be, crazy what have stuff, we been man. warning about? <laughs> what yeah. have we been you warning know what's crazy, everybody bro? about? It's crazy. We went into some of these mega churches, you know, that are supposedly, and guys, there is a spiritual stronghold at play. So don't think that it has to be some kind of a conscious thing where on paper, your mega church is friendly with the Catholic church. No, it's a spiritual stronghold that has entered these churches. That's why in a lot of these mega churches, you have a problem where all of them, they don't want to speak badly about the Catholic system at all. It's a strange thing. You know, if you go back to the days, they claim to be like the new reformed movement. But if you go back to the days of the reformers, are you, do you, are you kidding me? Do you know how staunchly and publicly those guys stood and preached out against the Catholic church? Mm. And yet you got a lot of these mega churches now that are like, don't say anything bad. You know, a lot of our Catholic brothers and sisters out there. No, once again, they themselves are, are deceived. So we don't hate the people. However, you got to stand up. And when you start to see things happening in the Catholic church system, and you're a non-Catholic or a Protestant denomination, non-denominational, whatever, mega church, right? 
You got to pay attention, guys, because if you're in one of these churches and they're afraid to like openly speak out against the Catholic Church, or even worse, if they go to defend it, and if you're like the one person or a small group of people in that church and you're like, hey, you know, that's messed up. Have you guys seen what happened in the Catholic Church? And if everybody looks at you in a weird way when you say that, don't speak bad about our Catholic brothers and sisters, then you got to realize something, guys. That's a good sign that that church is under a spiritual stronghold, okay? And uh, there's no wonder why, you know, one or two of the mega churches that Abraham and myself had visited, I remember that they were very defensive about communist, socialistic ideologies the same way, right, Abraham? It's the same spiritual stronghold that is going on here with what the Catholic Church is doing. Suddenly, these mega churches, a lot of them have the same mentality. Ooh, don't say anything that could go against the group. There are going to yeah. be some people, the, the kind-hearted people, go, how are we going to witness to them if we, if we denounce their beliefs? You know, if we say that they're not true? Well, check this out. Did Jesus, when he was on his earthly ministry, did he go, okay, I'm just going to love everybody. Love is a happy emotion. No. One of the biggest things, one of the things he did the most consistently, what did he do? He called out the Pharisees and the Sadducees. I mean, so, so if you're talking about a biblical model where Jesus was just speaking the truth and calling people out, all of the people that are making, let's call it like it is, that are making the excuse that, oh, if we just speak the truth, then we might offend people so we won't be able to minister to them. How did Jesus minister to these people? The Samaritan woman. He straight up said, he basically said, hey, I'm here for the Israelites. I'm not here for you. You know, he was, he just spoke the truth. And in fact, he had mercy on this woman, right? But you have to understand people who are thinking falsely that to be nice, to be nice and to not offend people is this unalienable thing that you can, you can never not be nice. Let me tell it to you straight right here. That niceness, that desire to be nice is an idol. You are literally idolizing your fear of being thought negatively of by other people. Or either that or you're idolizing just straight up your fear and your lack of truth in your life. And if you're a Christian, if one of those two things are going on, then let me say it right here. You really have to rethink your reasoning. It's time for you to start really examining yourself because those are just justifications. Oh, if we, if we say something like that, we'll offend these people. We won't be able to minister to them. Dude, just read the Gospels. Come on. Viganò he says, I believe that the answer to this rhetorical question of the Vaticanist polity can be indisputably affirmative. There is a very strict relationship between the doctrinal crisis of the church and the immorality of the clergy that scandalously reaches up to the highest levels of the hierarchy. But it is also apparent that this crisis is being used by the ultra-progressive wing not only to impose a false morality together with a false doctrine, but to irremediably discredit the Holy Church and the papacy before the faithful and the world through the action of its own leaders. This is crazy. There is a very strict relationship between the doctrinal crisis of the church and the immorality of the clergy. See, I think he got it right because I think the Lordship Salvationists, I think they have it backwards. See, they say that it's 
oh, you're not doing it right. So you're immoral. You're, you're not working enough. So are you saved? But he's saying here, there's a doctrinal crisis, and that's what's leading to these actions. I think that's very interesting. What do you think, James? Right. Yeah, because when somebody does not understand the gospel first, and they do not understand grace first, and you immediately jump to the works, right, then what happens is there's a good chance that that person, or that, if you're preaching it wrong, that an entire congregation, whatever denomination you're in, there's a good chance that those people don't understand the gospel. They might not even be saved, many of them, and now they're trying hard to live righteously, and basically they're under the law, right? Because what does the Bible say? That Christ is the end of the law, right? And that we were under the law until faith came. Now we are no longer under the law because the law was our schoolmaster, the Bible says, to bring us unto Christ. But after that faith came, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Christ is the end of the law to all who believe. So people don't want to be dispensational. They don't want to rightly divide the word of truth. They want to treat the Bible like a salad bar and say, this one feels good to my self-righteousness. This one doesn't. That's not fair. I'm working hard, so I should be really saved. But other people, what, they think they could just be saved and not do any work? See, that's a self-righteousness, okay? That's not understanding, and that's not preaching grace. You know, the doctrinal crisis of the church and the immorality of the clergy, yeah, you know why? It's because if they don't have the new spirit nature, if they're not even saved by receiving grace first, right, and they're just immediately turned to the works, then those works are powerless. Those works are self-righteous. Those works are under the bondage, the Bible says, of the law for the weakness and unprofitableness thereof. And that's going to create failure because men will always fail under the law. They will always fail under the law. The law was designed to actually make them fail. If people don't know dispensationalism, you don't know. The law is not for you to, you know, live righteously by, okay? How you live righteously is first you receive the new spirit, your new spirit nature. And then what you do is you simply walk in that, okay? We're not under the law. We're not, these people can't get this mindset out of there because whatever, they're growing up in their mega church culture that was what? That was taught to them by these famous guys, Right. Get this mentality of the famous preacher out of your head. Those guys are in high places, and they're also helped out to get to those high places of visibility and power by who? By a corrupt circle that involves a lot of people like this. Okay, the higher you go up in Satan's world, because this is Satan's world, the Bible says that Satan is the lowercase g god of this world, right? So, yeah, that's why they have this self-righteousness that they're going to fail in, and what happens when they fail, guys? When you fail, then you fail hard. You give up on that, and then you go into all this sin because that repenting of your sins didn't have any power to change your life. And so either you're going to do one of two things. You're going to give up on it completely, and people are going to walk away from that faith. They don't want to believe in that Jesus anymore because that Jesus has no power to save, right? Mm. Or what they're going to do is they're going to start living a duplicitous life. Ho-ho, oh, am I speaking to some people out there right now, Right. You're going to start living this duplicitous life where you're going to know how to compartmentalize and put up an act like, no, everything is going well. We're holy, holy, right? But because you didn't receive grace, what are you doing it in your own power? You're going to fail and you're going to, now you're going to live this secret sinful life. So that's what I think is happening here. We could see the fruits. You shall know them by their fruits. What are the fruits of the Catholic church system, guys? Come on, let's be honest here, right? This faith plus works 
You know, they don't, come on, the fruits too, is that many Catholics don't know the Bible. They don't, okay? It's almost like they're turned off from the Bible. They just know their traditions of men that comes from Mother Church, the system, which is run by these corrupt leaders. And all the legit guys are getting out. All the legit guys are calling this stuff out in the Catholic Church right now, right? Like Vigano here. So, and... Not we say this all the time, not knowing the Bible and not knowing doctrine, that's the weakness that the deep church, whatever you want to call it, the spirit the the spiritual war, the, the spiritual warriors on the other side, that's what they're gonna take advantage of to impose a false morality, to scratch the itching ears, and to literally systematically even more corrupt the institution of the church. And I'm, I, I call it the institution of the church because the church actually is just the body of Christ. You know, but here we're talking about the systematic corruption of the institution of the church. And that's, that's how they do it, you guys. They use... Right. What happens if an entire church doesn't know the Bible? Well, it's going to be very easy for the ultra-progressive sappers to get in there and shake things up. It's my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, right? It doesn't say that my people, a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. It doesn't say that a little leaven came in and everything was fine and dandy. No, it says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, right? And, And how it works is they don't think that they're in false doctrine. We have to state this again, right? People who are in false doctrine do not realize they are in false doctrine until someone comes along and shows them from the Bible that that's false doctrine. Right. So they're not in this. A lot of these people going to these big churches are not having this mentality that, man, my church is really off the rails right now. We are living in times of apostasy. Right. They don't have that mentality. They want to be defensive about their church. No, we're doing it right. We know that too. It's all a pride thing. Right. Because it doesn't come from them sitting down between them and God, opening the Bible and saying, do we have it right? Are we in line with the scriptures? Were we getting off base here? Once again, it becomes that thing of protect the group feelings, and now we have to protect each other's egos from ever getting damaged, meaning none of us can ever admit that we were wrong about anything, right? Because that's social suicide, to admit that you were wrong. It's all pride, and it's all self-righteousness. If you have a group, once again, where nobody can admit they're wrong in that group, then that group is run by legalistic self-righteousness. I don't care what they try to say to try and say, no, we're not. No, we're not. Yeah, right. Okay. We can see it in your actions. It's obvious through common sense by looking at other people, right? If you have that kind of a mentality. But anyways, so yeah, this was kind of the roast. (laughs) We ended up doing another roast uh, (laughs) podcast, bro. But uh, yeah, this was the roast of the Catholic church and also partially, yeah, the mega church system. You know, guys, we're waking people up here. Somebody has to do this. And we don't care if you don't like us or whatever. You need to like God and his truth and make sure that you're right with that because there's some pretty heavy condemnation that's going to be coming on the world here in the tribulation period to come. And you do not want to be a part of that. So make sure that you understand God's grace. Let me just close with this point. Hmm. We are living in the church age and God is currently highlighting the character, his character of grace. So if you notice in the Old Testament, God was highlighting different attributes of his character. He was highlighting a lot of his justice and his holiness. He's a holy God, right? That's a lot of times the theme that you find in the Old Testament. 
And then now we're in the church age. God is highlighting his character of grace. He's showing you the depths of just how graceful and merciful and patient God can be. And so that's why people have this mentality of, uh, what, you're saying that it's just this free gift, salvation? It's like, that's what the Bible says once again. Read the Bible, read Romans. It says that it's a free gift. And if it's free, then God is not going to attach strings to it. No, no, you know, it's, it wasn't really free. You still have to do something. It's still on you to do something. No, God is showing you just how deep his grace can go. Church age, best believe that once God saves somebody, that their performance after the fact cannot cause them to lose their eternal life because eternal life means eternal life. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that Jesus himself said that whoever he gives eternal life to, they will never perish. Okay, so once you have eternal life, you can never perish. Why? Because it's eternal life. The Bible does not say that God gave you temporary life, but the Bible does not say that God gave you just a new life, but be careful that you don't lose the second one too. No, the Bible says eternal life, and eternal means that it lasts forever. And if it's not eternal, and if it doesn't last forever, then God lied, and it was not eternal life, right? So once you have eternal life, it lasts forever, and nothing can ever take that away. So just wanted to make that clear. And uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the Underground Church Podcast. This has been James, and I'm here with my brother Abraham as well. Later. Peace out.